Hallelujah. Well, it's so good to see you. I've been out of the pulpit for a couple of weeks, and so it's good to be back in the pulpit. So great to have my father. What did my father talk about last week? Come on, man. Well, you can't use the word butt in church and get away with it, all right? How big's your butt? Now, don't look at your neighbor and go, oh, my God, I can't believe he just said that. But he talked about your butt last week. Amen? And I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But really, he was talking about forgiveness. Amen? We've got to walk in forgiveness. And I thought he did an excellent job with that. Let me set this table for what we're going to do this morning. Every year I have the uh, honor of going to a crawfish boil once a year. Anybody like crawfish? Good crawfish. Amen. So every year there's a man that I coach baseball with that Luke was on his team. Uh, Luke and his son, Scott and I coached this team together. And Scott every year does this big uh, crawfish boil. And he does it at his home and it's business people and it's family. And every year it's just a, it's, it's a great time. So we went yesterday and... You know, we just eat crawfish, and it's wonderful. But during COVID, right when COVID happened, they called and they said, hey, look, we can't do the big crawfish boil because of COVID. And I was like, oh, really? Because we really look forward to it. When someone else cooks it for you and cleans it up, it's a lot more fun. Yes. It's a lot more fun. The only thing that could be better is if they would peel them for you. But that's another story for another time. But during COVID, they said, hey, we can't do it. We don't want to have a bunch of people out. The neighbors might say something. So we were like, oh, we were disappointed. So I got a text a few weeks later, and he was like, hey, we're going to do it, but it's just for a few people. We want you to come. Oh, my gosh. Of all the people that you could choose to come to this crawfish boil, you you, you want me and my boys to come? I mean, I was touched. I'm like, Lord, how did I impact this man? What did I do to, to, to deserve this kind of honor, to be invited when no one else is coming. He's spending all of this money, putting out all of this crawfish for a few people, family, close family and friends, close. And so we went and there was a few people there and we're eating crawfish. And so his wife, Christina is by me. And, and I'm like, I was so honored. And I said, Christina, what could we have possibly done to have earned an invitation to this crawfish boil. And without hesitating, she said, because you're eaters. <laughs> she said, we get all these crawfish and we know that when you bring you and your two sons or your daughter, you are going to eat as much as you possibly can and there won't be any left. All of a sudden my paradigm did a hard shift. She said, because you're eaters. So my question to you this morning, are you eaters? Are you eaters here this morning? Have you come here today for the right reason? Are you hungry for the word of God today? Are you at a place in your life where you don't want to be entertained? I have no fancy platitudes for you this morning. All I have is the truth. That's all I know. And I'm going to touch on some subjects today that I think will help you and is going to help me because there are times, I'm sure, when we come to church where we're a little frustrated when we leave. I know that I am sometimes. And I think the reason that I get frustrated and I think sometimes maybe that you get frustrated 
is because we don't have the right expectation as to why we're here. And so today I want to lay some groundwork for why we're here. As I was praying about this, and I want to be honest with you, I do not have open visions. The Lord is not waiting for me at the coffee table on bended knee, you know, with a frappuccino to share with me all of his insights. I woke up one morning, I didn't feel good, I wasn't in a good state of mind, but all I kept hearing in my spirit was the word training, 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 training. And it became perfectly clear exactly what we're supposed to be doing every Sunday morning, every corporate prayer, anytime that we get together. The reason that you're here today and the reason that I'm here today is for training. And I want us to start changing our mindset as to why I come to church. I come to church to be trained. I do not come to church to be entertained. I do not come to church. While fellowship is important, that's not the number one reason why I'm here. We are training to reign. And we will never stop training. Let me say that again. We will never stop training, and I'm going to prove it to you in the scriptures today. Are you with me? Let's go to the book of 1 Timothy. Say, I'm hungry. hungry. Say, I'm an eater. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to begin and look at verse 7. It says, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise, ooh, exercise. That's a four-letter word in some people's homes, exercise. Exercise. Exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for how many things? How many things? having promise of the life that is now, say now, Now. and of that which is to come. Oh my goodness. We're not just training in godliness for now, but we're also training for the life that's to come. We're not just training. I want us to take a whole new look at why we're here this morning. And I want you to start looking at when we're trying to teach biblical principles, that those biblical principles are not just to make us feel good. Those biblical principles are not just to fill up space. Going to church is not just checking a box, okay, I did that, let's go on with the rest of my life. I'm trying to tell you that we are trying to train you because you are going to need the training. Now, I heard the Lord say this to me. A lack of training leads to therapy. A lack of training leads to therapy. Because when we get into a situation and we don't have the tools to deal with it, then we have to go get help for that area. An abundance of training leads to confidence. And when we're confident, it doesn't matter what comes against us. It doesn't matter. Aren't you glad that our armed forces are constantly training? 
Aren't you glad that these men and women are constantly refining what they're doing? They're constantly training. Our policemen, they're constantly training, constantly for new situations, constantly. Because if they get put into a situation and they do not have the training, guess what? They lose. It's not that my people perish for a lack of vision. It's that they they perish for a lack of training. Because where we're about to go in this world, you have to be trained in the things of God and in righteousness or we're just going to fall away just like they did. Remember that same group of people that was yelling for Jesus? Hosanna, Hosanna. They're the same people that were gathered around him saying crucify him one week later. An emotional response is not going to carry you through the cross. Because those same people that were worshiping God, screaming Hosanna to God in the highest, taking off their robes, pulling down palm trees, laying them on the ground, that same group of people were gathering around mocking Jesus on that cross. This is not about an emotional high. I want you to leave here today with some word in your heart so that when you deal with the stuff that's going to hit you tomorrow, you can say in the name of Jesus. We have got to load the weapon. And this is where we do it. This is why we come to church. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. This is a very well-known group of scriptures. But I think if you don't know why you're here and I don't know why I'm here, this could get really frustrating. Church has been many, many things. And for years and years and years, what we have tried to do, especially at Easter, everybody likes Christmas? You like getting gifts? Yes. Have you ever gotten like this really, really ornate package, like beautifully wrapped? You can tell that I didn't do it. I go into my kids, my bedroom on Christmas Eve, and my goal is to see how fast I can possibly get these things wrapped. I don't care what they look like. I am built for speed. But what we've done with Christianity is we have taken this box and we have made the most beautiful wrapping paper and we've put bows on it and we've put whistles and we've put things that explode and we've put all this stuff in this big box, but we forgot it's not about the box, it's about the gift. And we've taken all of our resources. See, Easter is going to be about who's got the prettiest box. Who's got the most to offer on Easter morning? Who can do the most? Who's got the biggest egg hunt? Who's going to have the biggest speaker? Who's got the biggest worship team? Who's got the most food? Who can, I got to make this big because I'm only going to get you for one day. And we forget, oh yeah, here's the gift. It's Jesus Christ. He died for you. Well, I, I want the jumpy house. I want, I want the egg hunt for my kids. And so what happens is, is we get pulled off of, you ever heard of putting first things first? We got to put first things first. And Jesus has to be first things first. That's why our vision this year at West Houston Christian Center is Hebrews chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Now we are not a perfect church here at West Houston Christian Center. Amen? 
But I will say this, we are endeavoring to spend time in this word every day for the truth that's in that word. And if there's ever something that I say or someone else says that maybe you don't understand or you don't agree with, you need to ask. Ask, we're not a cult. We're not a cult. We're not unassailable. You can't walk up and ask me a question. Of course you can. Please ask a question. Because I'm endeavoring to find out the truth. You know what? Every time I go into the Word, I find new revelation. I can go back to old words and I'm like, oh my gosh, I never saw that before. All of us, each one of us, we need to be going into the Word on a regular basis looking for revelation knowledge because it's the revelation knowledge is where your faith's going to draw from and that's what's going to move that mountain out of your way. I can't move the mountain for you. I can't do it. But you can through the Word. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. How many of us have Bibles? Bring them to church. Bring them to church. What a novel approach. Bring your Bible to church. And I know it's on your phone, but when you're looking at your phone, no one knows you're looking at your Bible. When you're looking at your Bible, they just know you're looking at your Bible. You can tell me all day you're looking at the Bible. When you click the screen off when I walk up, then I think something differently. Sorry. Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you, God. Verses 11 and 12. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Amen, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen, that's our job. When it talks about the equipping of the saints, here's what it says. This is what equipping means. This is what our job is. Listen to me, I'm about to give you your job description. This is what you are supposed to do, okay? This is what my job is and this is what your job is. My job is to instruct. The word is the instruction, you are the instructee. Do you understand that? That it's not my job to go do the work of the ministry. It's my job to instruct you with the instruction so that you can go and help others. Do we understand that? That's the biblical pattern. This is why we get frustrated because you don't realize you're waiting for me to do something and I'm waiting for you to do something. You're waiting for me to have more programs and bigger things so that you can bring your kids and your stuff to, and I'm waiting for you to go out and get somebody saved and bring them to church. Do you see where the frustration comes from? Now we're going to know what each other's job description is, and it's not me, it's the word. That word equipping, perfecting, it means a bringing to a condition of fitness. It means to prepare Perfect for its full distinction or use. Bringing into its proper condition, whether for the first time or after a lapse. The equipping of the saints is the restoring of anything to its place, then putting it in order, and then making it complete. 
order, completeness. Those are Bible words. Amen. It's our job. We want you to be whole. We want you to be order in your life. We want you to have knowledge. We want you to have all these things. And this is why we're here this morning, so that we can be instructed in these things, so that I can therefore go and take my world tomorrow. Anybody looking forward to something tomorrow? Huh? We got some Mondays coming tomorrow. Does anybody get out of bed and say, I cannot wait for Monday? All right, Virgil, sit down. I know why. <laughs> I know why. The fivefold ministry, we are appointed in order that everything in the church might be well arranged or put into its proper place or that the church might be complete. That is the purpose of the fivefold ministry. That's what we do. We preach, we teach. Now, I will say the thing that we have been lacking and what we want more of and what we are endeavoring to see more of are miracles. There should be demonstration of God's power on a regular basis on a Sunday morning and in every part of our lives. Amen? Amen. You know, some blind eyes start popping open. Some seats are going to get filled. Do we come expecting the power of God? Do we truly come expecting to have that power of God flowing in this service where anything's possible? Do I have to bring in guest speakers to get us all worked up so that they can spend three days getting you to a place of faith where hands can be laid on you, where you'll receive your healing? Or can we right now, just as a body of believers, take the word for what it says and say, you know what, by his stripes, I'm healed. You know, can I just take the word, can I just take the word and apply it to my life now and let it work for me? Or am I waiting for someone to do it for me? I'm telling you, you've been empowered to walk and live by this word here and now. You don't need anybody else. That wall of separation has been torn down. Right now, you can go to God for all of your needs. And he will hear everything you have to say because he is your father and he loves you. Amen. He loves you. He wants to see you healed and whole. When Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and his disciples met him and they had the young man that had had the seizures, the father, and the father comes to Jesus and he says, my son, he has these seizures. He falls down in the fire and in the water and we have no control over him. And Jesus makes this statement. He goes, how long must I bear with you, you wicked and perverse generation? And he wasn't talking to that father. He was talking to Israel as a whole. And he was saying, I was that rock that was with you in the wilderness. I followed you. I have been with you, Israel, every step of the way. And why are we even, there shouldn't even be one of you dealing with seizures. How did we get this far? How did we get this far where this people who got brought out of that land of Egypt with all the healing, with all the gold, how do we get to this part where we're having to have healing services for seizures? How did we get here? Man, y'all look terrified right now. Because we don't believe. Somehow along the way, we stopped believing. And instead of belief, we started walking in unbelief. And unbelief is not a lack of knowledge. It's knowing that something works, but choosing not to accept it. We've seen the miracles of God, haven't we? How many of you have ever experienced a miracle in your life? 
Anybody ever been healed in your body? Anybody been delivered of drugs? Anybody had your marriage put back together? Anybody ever had a lost kid come home? Anybody ever gotten a promotion? Anybody ever gotten anything from God? Folks, those are the miracles and blessings of God. We need to be shouting those things from the top of the rooftops. Look at what my God did for me. You're his business card. Whenever you meet somebody, you're God's business card. When they look at you, they look at him. What do you say? What's your card say? I kind of halfway believed once in a while, but they're kind of a good people. Don't understand the tongues thing, but at least they're nice. (laughs) No, no, we are, listen to me. There's been too much imparted into us just to leave a mundane life of wondering and wandering who we are, why am I here, what's my purpose. God is the most purposeful being ever. He created each and every one of you. You were handmade like a craftsman taking a watch. There's only one of a kind. And he poured himself into this thing and he poured himself into you and he put intricacy in you and he was delicate with you and he put a purpose and a destiny and an essence of himself so that you could go out and you could be a tool to help unlock somebody else. But we keep looking for help from the outside. You're not alone. You're not alone. Look at your neighbor. You're not alone. Look at your other neighbor. You're not alone. Even if you live alone, you're not alone. Even if you drove to church alone, you're not alone. Amen? Even in the bathroom, you're not alone. You're not alone. We got to get a revelation of that. That we are not alone. We're not alone. It's kind of like this. I've got some gym friends here. All my Mac friends wave. Yay, all my friends from the Mac. They're in the back. Memorial Athletic Club. It's a gym. If I took you to my gym right now and took you on a tour, I could show you all the neat stuff that happens in the gym. I could say you can do this here, and you can do this here, and over here you could come do this. And I could say you could, if you came over to here and you could look at this, man, this is what happened here. Would that help you at all? I got you in the gym. I showed you the equipment. What didn't happen? You didn't use it. I could actually take you to a bench and I could say, do you know what I did on this bench? Do you know that I lifted 350 pounds right here? You go, oh, that's a lot, Pastor. I could take you over here to this squat rack and I could say, you know, I squatted 430 pounds right here. And you'd go, oh, Pastor, that's so good. And I could take you over here and I could say, you know, I deadlifted almost 500 pounds right here. Oh. Does my testimony of what I did on those benches help you at all? So why are we living off of other people's testimonies? How does the testimony of what I did on that bench make you any stronger? All I did was show you that if you'll do what I did, you can do what I did. That is the purpose of church. I'm not here to show you about the equipment. I'm here to show you how to use the equipment. I'm here to show you how to walk and live by faith and walk and live in love. And if you'll do those two things together, you will never be defeated, you'll never be alone, and you'll always have enough. But I can't do it for you. I can show you what I did to get there, 
but I can't go lift that barbell for you. You have to do it for yourself. I wish that Lex could lift the weights for me in the back. I wish that Jack and Luke could lift the weights for me, but it doesn't profit me. You have to lift the weights. We have to do the work of the ministry. We need to tell people about Jesus. Invite somebody to church. You catch them, we'll clean them. It's so easy. It's so easy to do, invite. And yes, you're gonna go, but pastor, that's gonna day that, that the Holy Ghost moves and everybody's gonna freak out and froth at the mouth and run around the sanctuary. That's every 12 year old's nightmare at our church. I'm not inviting anybody to church there. They'll get all the banners down and they'll be dancing and jumping and all that. You know, the Holy Spirit has never driven anybody away. Think about that. The Holy Spirit has never driven anybody away. Invite somebody to church. They need this. Amen. We all need it. We need Jesus. You with me? Thank you, Lord. Let's look at uh, Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. So quiet. You're just letting it all just that having that Selah moment, pause and meditate. Matthew chapter 28. That is not right. That's a good sermon. That's good though. What did I do? Uh, I tell you what, let's go to verse 18. This is the last thing that Jesus had to say before, at least in Matthew's accounting. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Amen? Amen. I want to see how we have over years, we have slowly gotten away from one word by adding another. He did not say go and make Christians. Go into all the world and make Christians of all the nations. Not once did Jesus ever command us to make Christians. Now listen to me. If I call myself a Christian, I can go do whatever I want, when I want, and it doesn't matter. But if I call myself a disciple, that's a whole different ballgame. That means I am claiming the discipline of the master that taught me. And what we have done is we have allowed people to say they are Christians and do some of the most horrible things this world has ever seen. Abortion what they're doing with young children and changing their genders. I mean, it's, it's horrific what we're doing. And some people are saying, because we're, it's, it's a Christian thing to do. There is no such thing as Christian. There's disciples. And if I'm a disciple, that means that there is a set course that I have lived my life by. I am no longer my own. Anybody in the army here? Anybody in the military? Go ahead, who else? Who was in the military? It, early or late, doesn't matter. Why are y'all embarrassed? 
Neil, raise your hand. You were in the military. Raise your hand if you were in the military. How important were orders in the military? Extremely. How extremely? Life-threatening. Life-threatening. How important was discipline, Neil, in the, in the Navy? Right. It was vital. Even in the Air Force, right, Dad? My dad was in the Air Force. Discipline was everything. What's discipline? I'm a disciple. When you go into the armed services, you are now becoming a disciple of that branch of military. They tell you what to do, where to sit, what to say, what not to say, what to eat, what not to eat, when to run, when to sleep, when to eat, when to go to the bathroom, when to change your clothes, when to brush your teeth, when to shave. They are indoctrinating you into their way of thinking. And somehow with church, we've changed that. Well, we're trying to give you many ways to think. There's many voices. No, no, no. There's one voice. And it's our job to disciple you to where you hear that one voice. There's one voice and it's a still small voice. Are you with me this morning? Can you see how much more important this is? How vital this is to our lives? That Jesus didn't call us just so that we could come to church on a Sunday morning. There is work of the ministry that you and I have to do. And we have to do it, we have to do it his way. I guess that's the best way of saying it. First Tim, uh, Second Timothy 3.16. Quick, Dad, what's it say? Second Timothy 3.16, Dad. Oh, this is your scripture, all scripture. I got him good right there, didn't I? I'm going to get one of y'all. Get ready. I'm going to ask you what a scripture is. Get ready. I apologize. All scripture, say all. All, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is what? Profitable, Profitable for doctrine, for reproof for correction and for instruction in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished for every good work. Now, I wanna end with this. Because we're gonna, parents, please, I'm gonna stop just a little bit early so that Michelle can bring the kids in and they can do a little practice, okay? It's not because I'm preaching real good, right? The correction part. Does anybody like to be corrected? It doesn't come naturally to us, does it? I can't wait to go home and get corrected. It's going to be wonderful. Correction for me as a young man was different than correction for you because it was going to be bad because I had done it. I was guilty. But I was thinking this the other day. How many of you are glad that you have autocorrect on your phone? Because it doesn't make us look stupid, right? We like autocorrect because when we write something or type something or do something grammatically, it doesn't make us look dumb. I'm so glad that there's autocorrect. So glad because it doesn't make me look stupid. How many of you have a new vehicle and maybe you have auto lane correct? Like if you start going into your lane, something, how many of you have that? I'm so glad that we have lane correct in a vehicle so I don't hit somebody or I don't die. I'm so glad that that's there. But why is it when I come to church, if I get corrected, 
I get offended. I don't get offended when autocorrect does it. I don't get offended. Can you imagine knowing you're getting ready to run into a car and it's auto lane correct and you go, nope, I will not be corrected. You will not correct me. Or you're typing something and I have, a, I, have a, I have trouble with the word responsible. For whatever reason, that word in my brain, I have to go and look it up every single time. But I'm so glad that it auto-corrects for me because you'd be like, Jack is responsible. Every time you saw it, it would be different. I'm so glad that there are things out there to help me, to correct me, so I don't look stupid and I don't die. But why is it when we get the word of God or there is a correction to something, we get so horribly offended. I can never be corrected like that. And we go somewhere else and guess what? The problem goes with you. It doesn't stay here. We have to be correctable. I have to be correctable. We have to stay. That is part of being a disciple, is staying in a place. God, I want, if I want to hear God's voice so bad, correct me, God, just because I want to hear your voice. I don't want anything in my life that's going to stand in the way between what he wants to do with this church. I don't want anything to stand in the way. And if I'm doing something, saying something, whatever that thing may be, I want to get it out of the way. Correct me, God. Amen. Get it out of my life. And you know what? He's so gentle. He does it with his word. He'll take you to a scripture and my father will preach a wonderful message on forgiveness. Correct me in that area, Lord, of forgiveness. Correct me, Lord, where I'm, where I'm being selfish. Now, you know, I dealt with selfishness a long time ago. No. Y'all were going to let me go with that one, too. I appreciate that. That was selfish of me. There's so much more that God wants us to do. And if we will allow his training, if we'll receive it, if we'll be obedient to what he wants us to do, I guarantee you our lives will not look the same this time next year. Because we're smack dab in the middle of his will doing smack dab what he's called us to do. And we're walking in love. And we're not so easily offended. And we're not touchy or fretful. Here's a good one. And I'll end with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 out of the Amplified. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Love believes the best of every person. There's your equipping for this week. That's your training for this week. Is no matter what happens to you or who does it to you, I want you to think it, I want you to use that scripture that I'm going to choose to believe the best of that person and not the worst. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to invite Pastors Jack and Mary Jean to come to the platform. We're going to receive communion this morning. Communion at WHCC is open to everyone. Um, the only prerequisite is that you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. If you do not have the emblems, raise your hand, and I have some ushers that will bring those to you. If you do not have those, I've got hands up all over the sanctuary. I'm going to humbly ask if you'll just hold everything uh, until the end and we'll all receive together.
But this is the get right table. Everything that I've just talked about, we can fix it right here and right now. This is where we get a fresh start, a fresh do-over, and we receive what he has for us in Jesus' name.